again, it's good to see each one of you here tonight. You know, it's kind of tough to preach after you've eaten a meal like that. And I know, on the other hand, it may be tough for you to sit there. You know. <laughs> I remember one time, and I'm not guilty of this, of preaching too long. I, years ago, I got accustomed to preaching 30 minutes. Uh, when I was preaching on the radio, and that was it, 30 minutes. And so I've continued that through the years, but one time there was a preacher, and he was what we'd call long-winded. And the story goes that uh, toward the end of his sermon, there was a man that got up, and he walked out. And so after the service was over, or the next service, the preacher asked that man, said, you know, I'm just curious, why did you leave when I was still preaching? And he said, I had to go get a haircut. <laughs> that guy said, why didn't you get that before you came? And he said, I didn't need it before I came. <laughs> so that was a long-winded preacher. But anyway, good to see you here tonight. As most of you know, I'm from Sparta over in White County. And, but it seems like that Cookville is my adopted home. I told some of you this morning that in Cookville, I mean in uh, Manchester and, and Nashville and where I am at Hilldale now, they say, now you are from Cookville, right? Because I'm always coming back up here and holding meetings. And You know, tonight as I look out, I see a number of individuals here that I've known through the years. And I'm so thankful that you've come tonight, that I have an opportunity to be with you and to worship once again with you. Tonight I want to talk about something that is dear from my heart. This morning our lesson was saying no to God and the consequences of saying no to God. But tonight I want to talk about a subject that I've titled Saved in Order to Save Others. You know, salvation is one of the most precious things that is available for every single one of us, salvation of our souls. If you remember, Jesus was with God in, in heaven and always been there with him. But in Luke, the 19th chapter, in verse 10, the Bible says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Some of you have been reading your Bible. I, I see your lips quoting that. That was the purpose of Jesus coming to this earth. If you remember in Genesis, the first chapter, in verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And on that sixth day, God made man, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, reveals to us, and he made man in his image. And we talked about this morning of the fact that, that he placed man in the Garden of Eden, the paradise here on earth. Everything was just perfect. But man sinned. In Romans the third chapter in verse 10 it says there's, there's none righteous. No, not one. In verse 23, for all have sinned and, and come short of the glory of God. In Isaiah chapter 59, 1 and 2, it reveals to us that our sins or our iniquities separate us from God. So there must be a reconciliation to God. Since all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. A reconciliation to God, and that's only through His Son, Jesus. That's why Jesus came to this earth. 
Some three and a half years, he prepared those disciples of his to carry out a commission in the beginning in Matthew 10. We find where Jesus sent those disciples out on what we call the limited commission to take the gospel to the lost house of Israel in the beginning. But then he gave the great commission for the gospel to go into all the world that all of mankind could be saved because of the death of Jesus on Calvary's cross. He gave that great commission to the Jews as mentioned in, in Matthew the 28th chapter. Beginning there in verse 18, Jesus said, All power and all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In verse 20, teaching them to observe all things. Whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. Matthew gave us that great commission from the Jewish standpoint. But we find where Mark gives us that same great commission, and it is toward the Roman perspective in the 16th chapter of Mark. In verse 15, go ye therefore, go into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. In verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned or lost. And then we find where in Luke, the 24th chapter, in verse 47, from the Greek perspective, Luke has recorded there in verse 47 in, in Luke 24, that repentance and remission of sins is to begin to be preached there in Jerusalem. You remember in the first chapter there of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 it says that the gospel began to be preached in Jerusalem to Judea and to the othermost parts of the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ that will literally save our souls. Paul as he was writing to the Corinthians in the first letter. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18 he says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that are lost but is the power of God and salvation to those that are saved. You see, God's word is so powerful and it will literally change our lives. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 4 and verse 12 that the word is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged or double-edged sword. God's word will literally change our lives. And you and I must be conscious of that. And, you know, when Jesus ascended back to sit at the right hand of God, where he is at this point, he is there, our advocate or our lawyer. He is there pleading our case, but he gave that great commission to those disciples and in turn to each one of us. And we have a responsibility to tell people about Jesus Christ. If, if you and I do not tell people about Christ, Pray tell me who is going to tell them how to become a child of God. As I think about what we find recorded in John the fourth chapter in verse 35, it says, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are they're white unto harvest. And most of you that know me through the years, I've, I've loved going into homes and, and studying with people and God's blessed me. For a number of years of being able to baptize into Christ 
from 60 to 95 each year because I love to go into those homes and study with people. And I believe with all my heart that, that you and I, as we see people in our everyday walk of life, that we have a responsibility to say in our own minds, I, I wonder if they're a child of God. Because Paul told Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2, in verse 2, he says, the things that you have heard among me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. He also told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 16 that when we preach and teach to others that we save ourselves. I believe with all my heart that if we have the ability to tell people about Jesus Christ and that saving gospel and we do not, I believe that God will hold us accountable someday. I believe that with all my heart. And I, you know, sometimes I will hear people say, oh, I'm just, I'm just afraid that I will make them mad. You know what? What kind of friend do you have? If they will get mad at you for telling them about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I believe that it is essential for us to, to have the right attitude as we tell people about Christ. Paul, if you remember there in Acts the 17th chapter and verse 2, it says that he reasoned with them out of the scriptures. And first of all, I believe that we need to know God's word in order to be able to tell others about Jesus Christ and that saving gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to know God's word. We need to study God's word on a daily basis. And I mentioned this morning, and I want to challenge you when I was over at Holiday, I challenged them to, to read and study God's Word. And, and I know a number of them have read the New Testament through since I was over there a month or so ago or maybe two months ago. And I challenge you tonight, and I will continuously, throughout this gospel meeting, that you will at least read nine chapters a day of the New Testament. And you will read it through each month of your life. And I've done that for so many years and I believe that if you and I will read and study God's word on a daily basis, that it will overflow to the point that we will tell people about Jesus. You know, for years, almost everyone that I meet, I will usually ask them, I said, where do you go to church? And they'll tell me something. And I'll say, you know what? I've got this little undenominational Bible study, this open Bible study that I share with people. And I said, it is awesome. I said, here's my card. Put your name and address down, and sometime when I come by, I'll share that with you. And then in a few days, when I have the opportunity, I'll go by their house. You remember me? Yes. And then I will go in. I remember, and I, I'd say that they will be here if he's able, before this gospel meeting is over. A man that goes to Willow Avenue, one of his family members, true story, one of his family members told me a few years ago when I was a preacher at Will Avenue, they said, uh, my father-in-law is in the hospital. I wish you would go by to meet him. And I remember so vividly going there in the hospital and he's laying in the bed and he had some kind of surgery, uh, heart surgery or something along that line. And I remember telling him, I said, I'd like to have prayer with you and told, you where, told him where I was from. 
And I said, now, when are you going to get out of this hospital? And he told me, hopefully in a week. And I said, do you know when you get out? I said, I want you to give me your address. And I want to come by, and I want to visit with you. He got out of that hospital, and I remember going by and studying with him and baptized he and his wife. So I'm saying that you and I have a responsibility. You and I know a group of people that no one else knows. And you and I have a responsibility to tell them about Jesus. Today we are concerned about church growth, and certainly we should be concerned about church growth. I've had people sometimes through the years saying, Carl, you think too much of numbers. I will tell you, I'll never apologize for that. Because numbers represent souls. Numbers represent souls, and you and I need to be concerned about numbers. You know what? I have said many times, I don't think it's a sin for a church to be small. But I believe it's a sin for it to stay small. I'm going to tell you, if we don't start reaching out into our communities, numerically we're going to die. Strictly from the sense of attrition, simply because we all know that we are going to leave this world. Hebrews 9, 27, point of man wants to die. And it is obvious under our very eyes that many of our members are going on beyond the river of death. And so we must continue to reach out. And, and many times we have people that move. And when sometimes we have people that get upset and, and they leave. But, you know, we must continue to reach out to those that are lost. I remember years ago preaching over in White County, my hometown. And there were like 24,000 people that lived in the county, the whole county. And I counted it up on a typical Sunday morning in our congregations. There were 2,000 people in worship in our assemblies. Now, I'm not a physics man and a math man, but I want to tell you, that's 22,000 people. 22,000 people out there that need to hear the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. We must continue to reach out. You know, I think about in uh, 2020 vision in Acts 20 and verse 20. The Bible says that we are to preach publicly, and I believe that we're doing a wonderful job of that. I remember when I was in Cooper, we would preach on the radio. We would preach from our pulpits. But Acts 20 and 20 says that we're to preach publicly and from house to house, and I believe we've forgotten the most effective means. Did you know that I, I'm going to use some examples, but those are the only experiences that I've had, and I must share some of those things with you. I have the opportunity to be in Clarksville, been there six months now. And there's only eight congregations there with 168,000 people. Only eight congregations of the Lord's Church. You know, down in Jackson County, I believe there's 50-something there used to be. Over in White County, 24,000 people, 26 congregations. 
And so listen, since we've been in Clarksville, we've had 34 baptisms in six months. And I'm telling you what, if all of us, you see that, that great commission, it was not given to just our elders. The Great Commission was not just given to our deacons. It was not just given to our pulpit preachers. The Great Commission has been given to all of us. And I believe with all my heart that every single one of us can be an Andrew. You say, what's an Andrew? About all that we know of Andrew in the Bible is that he brought his brother Peter that he might be taught. He brought him to Jesus. On another occasion, when Jesus was feeding the thousands of people, he brought the little lad. That's what Peter did. So all of us can be an Andrew. Every single one of us. You know, I think of church growth, and, and I think of the work of the church, and, you know, the church is so precious to Jesus. In Acts 20 and 28, he purchased the church with his blood. And when he saves us, he adds us to that body. And it's important for the church to continue to grow. And I believe there's three main works of the church, and that is, number one is edification. I believe that we are doing an adequate job of edifying or building up our members. We have our Bible classes, we have all kinds of literature and all those things. And so I believe that we're doing an adequate job in edifying our people, and that's important. I believe that we do somewhat of an adequate job in benevolence. That is helping the poor, and that's, that's so important. So much of Jesus' earthly ministry was involved in ministering to those that had a need, benevolence. But I believe that the bottom line on all of those things is evangelism. Reaching out to them with the word of God. And I tell people every single work or mission in the Lord's church, the bottom line is an idea to save their souls. Feed them all day long, but if you don't tell them about Jesus, they're lost. And so for some reason, we, we forget evangelism, the lifeblood of the church. And, and I ask, why? I believe one of the reasons is that we are not properly motivated. Is the reason that we do not reach out. We're not motivated to do that. What will motivate us, I believe, the word of God, studying the word of God. You know, we read back in the Old Testament in Proverbs 11 and verse 30, where Solomon says, he that winneth souls is wise. You remember that? How would you like it on the day of judgment? And 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 reveals to us that we will all stand there before the judgment seat of Christ. How would you like to stand there and right beside you there's an individual standing there that you have known in your life either a family member or a friend and he looks up at you on the day of judgment with tears running down his cheeks and he mentions these words but you never mentioned him to me 
There's a song that we sing sometimes like that. I believe that we need to take every opportunity we can to tell people about Jesus Christ. When someone asks me to do a wedding, you know the first thing I say is, you know what, I've got this little open Bible study that I want to share three sessions with you and then we'll have the wedding. I believe that we must do that, and, and most of the time before I do the wedding, I will baptize both of those individuals into Christ. I remember in Manchester, Tennessee, where I preached back four years, for four years, I remember that I was getting my oil changed, and I go to this uh, garage there and service station, and they were changing my oil, and there was a little secretary sitting there. And I remember saying to her, where do you go to church? That's what I try to ask everyone. Where do you go to church? And she said, we, we don't go to church. I said, you don't? I said, are you still living at home? Yes. Uh, she was 26 or 27 years old and 21-year-old sister and her dad and mom. Her dad had just retired out of the Navy and was working at Advanced Auto Parts. And I said, well, i tell you what, I've got this little undenominational Bible study that I would like to share with you, and if you'll write down your name and address when I'm out in that area, I'll do that. I'll come by. She wrote it down. I don't know that I've ever had anyone to say, well, no, I'm not doing that. And so in about two weeks, I believe it was on a Monday, I went by there. I knew what time she got off. And I knocked on the door and I said, do you remember me down at the service station getting my oil She said, I sure do. I said, well, you remember I mentioned that little undenominational Bible study with you? She said, yes, I do. She said, come on in. And so I remember so vividly there that, that her mother and the younger sister and her were all we were sitting at the kitchen table. Her daddy was a big, tough guy out of the Navy, retired from the Navy. And, and I remember that he was sitting there reading a newspaper. We were doing the study where he could hear. And I noticed for 30 minutes while we were studying, he never turned the page. I said, I've never seen anyone read a newspaper, one side of it, for 30 minutes. And so finally, after that, I'd say, hey, Dennis, would you like to come on over and study? And he said, well, I believe we will. I said, I'm not going to. I'm not going to answer them. I'll just listen. So he came over. The next time we came, we called him up on the first study, and he was there studying with me. Did you know that I baptized the dad, the mom, and both sisters? And I guarantee you, this morning, I remember when I first introduced him to the congregation, came in, and, and you know, we're creatures of habit. Did you know that? I would say that the ones that are members here sit about that same place every time, right? Unless some of these visitors get your seats. And I remember, I, it was so funny when these new people, when we baptized them into Christ, and I told them, I said, this, this second seat over here is the best seat in here. And those four sit there, and you know they sit there every time, and I guarantee you they were there this morning. So I'm saying, listen, we're not asking people. We're not asking people to study God's word with them because only that word will change their lives. We are deeply involved in edification, as we mentioned. 
We're deeply involved in benevolence, but where is the evangelism? I'm here to tell you we're not going to convert many people just from the pulpit. I would venture to say that almost every single person here tonight is a New Testament Christian. So it seems to me that I want and need to try to motivate all of you that you're Christians of a responsibility that we have to go out into those homes. What I've always challenged the congregations on church growth is to have a friend and family day. And you have many visitors with you. You get visitors card, and I'm into those homes constantly and convert those people to Christ. I remember over at Willow Avenue, uh, one year we were there, and, and we'd really worked on encouraging everybody to, we're going to have this friend and family day, and we're going to, we want everybody to come now, and we want you to invite your friends, and we want you to invite all your families. And I remember that Patsy and I, we woke up that Sunday morning, and there was the awfulest wind and rainstorm. I mean, it was unbelievable. And Pat said, uh-oh, here goes our attendance. But I'm going to tell you, we had those people so motivated, and, and Charles and some of you may remember that day, that uh, I was standing at the front door, as I traditionally did, and opened the door, and, and I remember that some of those umbrellas were turning upside down, and there were 776 people that came through that door that day because they'd been motivated. You know what? We've got to motivate our people to reach out to those that are lost. As I mentioned, 2020 vision is preaching publicly. We do that. But what about from house to house that we read about in Acts, the 20th chapter, and verse 20? Again, we edify people. We build them up in our Bible classes. But you see, we're just preaching to Christians anymore. Isn't that basically the way it is? So if we're just preaching to Christians, how are we going to reach people? We've got to go out there into their homes and reach those people. Now, large congregation where I preach at now, it's almost constantly my Bible studies in homes are with visitors. When I get back next week, They'll have a stack of visitors that we had there this morning. And I'm going to be at those homes. And I'm going to say, I want to share this little undenominational Bible study with you. And it will literally change their lives. And so I challenge all of us, if you want to grow, I remember back in the little congregation that I preached at in Sparta, the first one I ever preached at. It was kind of funny how I got into the preaching. Most of you know that, that I had a pharmacy in Smithville and one in Sparta. Sold both of them. And this individual kept wanting me to go to South America. He said, I want you to go to South America with a mission trip. And I had two pharmacies and I was so busy. And, and so when I sold the last pharmacy, guess what? Here he comes. He said, I want you to go on this mission trip with us. And I I had to say yes. And so I go down there, and they were using this open Bible study that I use. And I baptized, I believe, nine people in that seven days. And I said, this is awesome. 
And there were a number of other people that were with me that day as we baptized people into Christ. But I noticed something. I went about three years in a row. Those individuals came back to the United States and they never had one Bible study in the homes. And they would go back the next year and baptize seven, eight, or nine again. And I told them the third year, I said, I'm not going back. I said, I'm going to show you that this can be done in the United States of America. All we've got to do is just ask people. I remember another time where I had a flat tire, and I didn't know I had a, whether I had another tire back there or not. I was, you know, I always go at such a fast pace. I just drive the car and put a little gas and oil in there once in a while. But I had a flat tire, and I said, what am I going to do? Someone said, well, you call so-and-so. He'll come over here. I said, well, oh, I'm, this, this is tough because I'm on a tight schedule. He said, oh, he'll, he'll be here. And so he came over. He started fixing my tire. Guess what? I asked him, I said, where do you go to church? Well, he told me. I said, I have this little undenominational Bible study I want to share with you. Baptized him into Christ because I had a flat tire. Now, sometimes my wife, when we go to restaurants and so forth, she'll say, now, don't talk to that waitress today. Because she knows what I'm going to say. You know, we need to train ourselves to the point of where we look at every person and we wonder in our mind, are they a New Testament Christian? And we're looking for that opportunity at all times. I remember the little congregation there that I was telling you about that I ended up preaching at. Over in Sparta, I had 26 people. 26 people in the first service that I was there. And I remember that I started doing the open Bible studies, and we didn't even have a baptistry because we didn't need one. Didn't have a baptistry, and I was getting all the Charles, I was getting all these people out of bed at night, all these other preachers, these other congregations, and and I finally told uh, one of the leaders in the church there, I said, if we're going to be in this business, we need to get a baptistry. He said, oh, you use these other congregations. He said, I'd rather worship at home as worship with a bunch of people. I said, well, you hired the wrong preacher. You hired the wrong preacher. When I left, there was about 200. That's when I came to Willow Avenue. And I'll tell you, some of the best days of my life was when I was here in Cookville, Tennessee. And I was out here on all these streets. And I was out there in those homes. And you know, sometimes people say, well, how do you stay so motivated? I'll tell you something. If you can't be motivated by saying, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, you need to go down here to the cardiology department. Every single day, every single day, I am so excited about getting into my office. People said, when are you going to retire? I said, I can't. I can't retire. Because there's people that are being lost. There's people that are dying constantly that are not being told about the gospel of Jesus Christ that can save their souls. I motivate you. I challenge you to please reach out to those that are lost. We have, I have a professional DVD done that you can look at and show you exactly how to do the open Bible studies in those homes. We are edifying our people. We're involved in benevolence. But where is our evangelism? 
I challenge you. If you're here tonight and you need to rededicate your life to God, we want to give you that opportunity in just a few moments. If you've not been living the life with the zeal that you need to be living in order to be found pleasing in the sight of God, we want to challenge you tonight to rededicate your life. But on the other hand, if we have someone here tonight that's not a child of God, and by the way, many of our preachers today are no longer giving the plan of salvation at the end of their sermon. And I guess that's why they call me an old-fashioned preacher. Let me tell you, there's two reasons that I tell the plan of salvation every single time I preach. Number one is for all of those that are Christians so that they will know how to tell someone else about God's plan of salvation. And number two, there may be one person there, one person there that has never become a child of God. I do not know all of you that are here tonight. But you see, this might be your last night here. It might be over for us. The blink of an eye. How is your life? Is it right with God? I want to tell you God's plan of salvation. In Galatians, the third chapter, and verse 26. It says, for we are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 27, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And Ephesians 1, 3 says that's where all the blessings are. Tonight. Tonight, if you are on the outside of the body of Christ, please do not wait. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, he said, behold, now is accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's time for you to respond if you are not right with God. That's why James tells us in James 4 and verse 14, he says, For what is your life? It's a vapor that appeared for a little time, and then it vanisheth away. Whatever need that you might have tonight, won't you respond as we stand and sing?